0: Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. Brewers, it's time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil chef and John Palmer, this is Brew Strong.
1: Hey, howdy, hey, my brewing brothers and sisters.
2: greetings. Greetings.
1: Ah, uh, John. Well, I'm
2: having uh, trouble hearing you over the music.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we got uh, we got Steve here working. Ah, uh, uh, yes. He, he likes to hear the music rather than us. Yes. Sorry. Enthusiastic
2: Steve. Can you blame me? Come on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. It was starting a little late. I spent uh, a good uh, hour and 15 minutes inching along the road took me an hour to go three miles wow an hour and i had to go across the bridge i didn't really have a choice and what uh, are they doing some repair work or something yeah yeah so they had the center lanes closed because apparently the expansion joint on the bridge some piece of metal had come up in it and uh, as people were driving across it it was flattening their tires so that was this morning And I guess they kind of, or it happened some other time, I don't know. And uh, they decided when I am driving to the studio to, uh, that's when they should close the center lanes uh, and uh, finally fix it. (laughs) And so I inched along. It took me, uh, to go five miles, it took me an hour and 15 minutes. And then I was at the bridge where they had it closed. And as they were picking up the last two to three cones, They were picking them up as I drove past. Wow. It was great. It was really great. I I will say, people sent me a nice text. Hey, don't (laughs) worry. Don't rush. There's nothing you can do to, you know, to change it.
2: Oh, well, I'm glad oh, you're here okay. because I would I would have just turned around and left. I mean, screw that,
1: you know. Oh, yeah, if I could have turned around, <laughs> I would have. I was gonna I was gonna text you and be like, "Do you want to just reschedule?" Yeah, well, that would have been great, but there was like no, you couldn't even get off. Yeah, huh? you don't mean well, getting off this something else, but stop it. <laughs> I could not. I, I was stuck on that freeway. The approach to the bridge, that was it. The the five miles. Before the expansion joint, that's where I was, and <laughs> I had no choice. I, I have been known to, you know, drive across medians and whatever it takes to turn around. Small ducks. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Median ducks and small ducks and large ducks, any size. Um, but there is a, like, a three-foot-high concrete barrier in the middle of the roadway on the approach to the Benicia Bridge. So I could not. I thought about ramming it really hard or turning around on the shoulder. The shoulder's wide enough to drive on. I'm thinking uh-huh. I could turn around on the shoulder and just drive down the shoulder the wrong direction of the freeway. I mean, traffic's not moving. Not like somebody's going to, like, you know, wildly hit me because everyone yeah. stopped.
3: You would get so arrested.
1: If the cop could get over to me. I mean, <laughs> it was bumper to bumper bike police i i could have walked there to here faster than i drove that's that's the amazing thing ah well you know have you ever have you ever been in the the car with uh our good friend john blickman i have in fact with him driving yep yep what what kind of a driver is he
2: uh he's yeah, he's good. He um, you know, doesn't use turn signals or uh-huh. the brakes very often, but uh-huh. yeah, good driver. I mean he avoids things quite well.
1: Heavy use of the accelerator?
2: Yeah, yeah. You know, um <laughs> he's got one of those big black SUVs, you know, with uh <laughs> with weapons rack in the back of it. Yeah and uh Tinted you know. windows. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh.
1: Spikes so, you know, coming out the hub like, like uh like some yeah. some uh, gladiator
2: movie. Yeah. Three foot tires and you know the whole business,
3: mm-hmm.
2: but uh, yeah, he uh, drives it quite well.
1: <laughs> they run over any uh, small animals while while you yes, work. yes, yeah. they have lots of ducks
2: in Indiana, yeah, and, and groundhogs too.
1: <laughs> yeah, it it does not surprise me because I'll tell you this: our our good friend John Blickman, he is a bold a uh, bold man yes gives cow tipping a whole new meaning <laughs> he 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 you know bold and creative that's that guy you know that's so right. so he doesn't just accept the way things are done he's always looking for a new way to do it and to do it better and I, my personal experience from using all the blickman gear is that it shows in the equipment it's not just done you know if if something's done the right way He's fine with doing it that way, yeah, but he's yeah. always wondering: Is this the best way that this piece of brewing equipment could work? Like the beer gun, you know. Yeah. He he looked at, at how people were filling bottles, and it's like, wait, wait, wait! There's a better way to do this, and invented a better way to do it, just revolutionary. And so he's always thinking on it. You know, what's Tower of Power, whether it's you know, uh, you know the uh, the false bottoms, all those things, he's always looking for a better way to do it i think that's just awesome yeah one of the reasons i love the guy uh it doesn't sound like i want to ride with him but i'll tell you this i still <laughs> love the guy maybe i'll drive next time he'll probably scream at me have, have has he has he been in the car when you're driving no he hasn't now that's an experience <laughs> that is truly experience riding with you john
2: uh i wouldn't know I... Uh, yeah
1: yeah yeah <laughs> You know, you should have like a video camera on your passengers' faces. I'm I'm saying you could get like millions of YouTube hits if people if people watch uh, the faces of your passengers. It's you know, like faces of death. I, uh, you know, this mm-hmm. is faces of the about to die. Huh? Huh? A whole new YouTube channel. Hey? And the
2: funny thing is, my kids prefer to dr- to ride with me than my their mother.
1: <laughs> oh my god that's gotta be something else that's
2: gotta be something else she tailgates really close oh my god
1: (laughs) uh john i love you i think you're a brilliant man i think you're funny i think you're kind i think you're generous i think you're just wonderful i'm just oblivious yeah exactly i just i riding with you it's just one of the worst things I've ever experienced in my <laughs> life. You're not you're not that bad. I imagine you don't hit that many things. True. Because a lot of them get out of the way or, you know, but still, still <laughs> not my top friend to, to ride with. I understand. <laughs> I mean, you got to have some flaw, right? That's right. That's you know, right. you can't be perfect. You got to have, you know, Superman has his kryptonite. Yours is, yeah. Yeah, there we go. All right, well, let's let's not dwell on that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, it gives me, it's giving me, like, flashbacks. I'm getting, like, PTSD here uh, for riding with you. (laughs) Jesus Christ. All right. Uh, Enough enough about traffic. All right. So uh, our topic for today, which I thought, did you come up with this topic or did somebody else bring this up? Um, uh, no,
2: I came up with it.
1: Yeah, I think it's brilliant. It's kind okay. of like, you know, uh, we talk about the differences between home and commer- home brewing or, you know, small-scale brewing and bigger-scale brewing. You know, um, really, yeah, you know, what's the impact? What's the difference? A lot of times people will say, well, you know, Brewery X does this, and, and so that's how I'm doing it. And it's like, eh, you know, yeah, you're doing it for the wrong reason, you know, just right. because of... A bigger brewery does it doesn't mean it's the best way to, to homebrew
2: they have whirlpools i need a whirlpool right kind of thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh so yeah we thought we'd talk about you know what are you know what are the differences between you know small scale large scale and why are they done that way you know give you an insight um very often uh, large scale brewing are dealing with issues that we don't have as small scale brewer, brewers you know things we really um, don't have to worry about we don't have to uh, you know engineer around um, mm-hmm. so yes, yeah, I thought it'd be useful to to go through the entire brewing process
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know different the different stages and just kind of illustrate some of these differences so
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, yeah i'm glad, i'm glad you think it's a good topic, yeah,
1: I think it's brilliant um. Why don't we do this? Why don't we take a short break? And when we come back, uh, we can get into uh, the whole process from uh, soup to nuts. All right? He said
0: nuts. (laughs) All right. We'll be back right after this. If you haven't heard, there's a completely new brand of brewing equipment kettles, burners, and accessories. Trustworthy everyday gear that helps you forge and shape outstanding beer the way you want. It's called Anvil Brewing Equipment.
2: Hi, I'm John Palmer. You may remember me from such self-help books as How to Brew, Brewing Classic Styles, Water, and the Brew Strong Podcast. I am very pleased to announce the debut of Anvil Brewing Equipment from Blickman Engineering. I have been working closely with them these past few years to develop products that combine the best of materials, features, and price point. Each of these products has been developed, tested, and reviewed to meet these ideals and bears the Palmer Brewing Solutions stamp of approval on the packaging. Anvil Brewing Equipment, inspired by Palmer, built by Blickman,
0: and made for you. Check out anvilbrewing.com. Anvil. Durable. Reliable. Dependable. brewer whether for yourself or as a gift when you subscribe or resubscribe from the brewing network homepage you directly support programs like this get a great magazine and support the brewing network subscribe to brew your own right from the brewing network.com say hello to my little friend you've heard about white labs pure pitch yeast Pure Pitch is yeast grown right in its final packaging. That means yeast that has never been exposed to the environment. And White Lab's Pure Pitch Yeast for homebrewers is now available to everyone at homebrew retailers nationwide. Easy to use, perfectly sized, and ready to pitch white labs yeast packaged using their FlexCell process ensures the purest yeast on the market visit whitelabs.com to learn more about pure pitch FlexCell cell technology and how it's created then visit a homebrew retailer near you for your own perfectly sized package of pure pitch yeast and you can say hello to your own little friend www.whitelabs.com our treatment today. Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong.
1: All right, we're back. We're talking uh, home versus commercial.
2: Yes. Why do we do what we do?
1: <laughs> Well, I drink beer because it's good. Yes. It's good for me. And that's pretty much 90% of what I do and why I do it right there.
2: Okay. Well, it doesn't explain the uh, magazine subscriptions, but... Well, actually, it does. You're right. Okay. Never mind. There you go. Anyway. So, uh, you know, the first thing I was going to ask was, um, you use a six-roller mill, I believe, at Heretic?
1: Ah, no we don't. Oh, okay. Right, right. So, you know, a lot of uh a lot of times the the goal of a six roller mill is for uh better efficiency. I mean, uh-huh. they're they're trying to higher yield, you know, yeah. yeah. get a higher yield. And um you know, I was talking to somebody about this today. But a yield in the mash tun. Is not my greatest concern. So I'll probably spend, no, oh, $300,000, $500,000 on, on base malt this year. Okay. But, you know, so, you know, if I gain a percent or two, yeah, that's money. But it's really not that much money. Okay. You know, it's not like uh, I'm Anheuser Bush and I'm producing, you know, Millions, yeah. Millions, you know, in a year. And then it's substantial money. And I think, you know, a lot of times the interesting thing is a lot of homebrewers, they focus on, oh, my God, I got to get this, you know, higher percentage. I got to get this professional percentage of, uh, you know, extract. Right. And it, that's not really the case. And somebody was asking me today, you know, what sort of efficiency we sh- shoot for. And I'm like, Nah, it doesn't matter. I don't really care. does the beer taste good? You know, is is our process consistent? Is the gravity we're hitting? I don't even know what our efficiency is. I'm like, "Eh, it's like 80s, somewhere in the mid-80s. It doesn't really matter to me. Am I going to try and get like 87 instead of 85? No, I don't care. I mean, I said, you know, once I've fully gone through every one of our processes and maximize those, then maybe I'll worry about that. But the beer tastes really good. And so, uh, you know, I'm not gonna worry about saving a couple of thousand dollars a year. Uh even as we grow, it's still not that important to me. Um right. what is important is that uh you know, we have a two roller mill or whatever. Yeah. Um and it's uh or maybe it's a three I don't know what it's it is. It's a three mill three, three roller. Three actually. roller, yeah. Three yeah. roller. And uh they're larger larger rollers. So there's less, uh, you know, tearing, the, they're smooth rollers or, uh, you know, so when they're larger, they can pull the malt through. If, if it's small, uh, you have to knurl the heck out of it. So it'll pull the malt through. Otherwise it rides on top. Right. So that's why the smaller rollers are not good. Um, two rollers, fine. Um, the smaller rollers with the knurling, it tends to shred the uh, the husk, but even that's fine. I went with a you know a valley mill uh, for forever as a home brewer. Mm. Worked great, not a problem. Uh, you know, people that are totally worried about the mill and the crush and all that, they're worrying about husk, something yeah. that isn't that important. I think you know, you get a decent crush, and and you're good to go. Hmm. Good
2: yeah i i've got a i've got a three roller mill and uh and i've used i've used different mills over the years and, and you're right when the when the rollers are small and the newurling's real deep yeah you do end up getting a lot of uh shredding mm-hmm. and um uh, i've tried other mills that had uh oh you know had some like early prototype had cuts horizontal cuts in it mm-hmm. and ended up cutting the cutting the green in half rather than mm-hmm. crushing it
1: Right, right. I remember. Uh, kind those. of a you know
2: shearing thing. That was, right. you know, that definitely didn't work well. But th- they've they've fixed that now. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I mean, it, what's important is that you get, you know, the the starch exposed to the to the mash, mm-hmm. and have you know access to the enzymes. And crumble um, it up a little bit. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Okay. Well, it's moving on to the mash. mm Hmm. Um, now, of course, um, typically, what 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 style of mash tun do you have, Jamil? Do you have, like, you have a large false bottom, I assume? Or just a big bottom in general? Don't
1: talk about my bottom. No, <laughs> um, we have a separate la- uh, mash and a sepa- uh, separate louder. Okay. So, there are two separate vessels. Uh, it's a four-vessel system, so separate mash, louder kettle whirlpool now
2: why do you have a four vessel system as opposed
1: to a a two or three vessel ah so a four vessel allows you to uh, start your next batch faster so once the mash ton has been emptied into the louder we can go ahead and start to dough in our next mash okay yeah and while that's sitting in the louder then We've got the, the next mash in and while we're loudering into the kettle, um, you know, that's converting. Okay. Then um we dump out the, the louder and we transfer the mash over to the louder and while the uh the first one is boiling, the second one's going through its Vorloff in the louder. Okay. And then we transfer over to the whirlpool. And while it's going through the whirlpool and go through the heat exchanger and all that, the the first one is transferred over to the boil and gets to boiling. And you know, behind that is coming another mash. And so you can go around the clock. We can we can do uh, an additional batch of beer with two hours. Oh, okay. it's only a two-hour addition to to get our next batch done. So that means if you know one batch is taking you eight or ten hours, well, mm-hmm. two batches only takes you 10 or 12. Three batches only takes you, you know, 12 or 14. Sure. Four batches only takes you, you know, uh, 14 or 16. And mm-hmm. you can see that you can get like eight batches in around the clock. If I only had a two-vessel system, uh, the first one's tied up until it's into the, into the boil and uh, then emptied out. And By the time I've done all that, the boil's pretty much done. And you know it's time to you know, and I'm just mashing in again, so uh, you don't have quite that savings. You can you can add pre run tanks, additional louders, things like that to uh, double up on uh, the points in the process that take the longest. Yeah. So usually that's around the louder and the uh, in the kettle. So usually either there's a pre run tank where you hold the wort uh, before the boil. Or you add an extra louder, so the mash mixing is really quick. So we've got a, a mash mixer in a jacketed tank, and so the the grain comes in with the water and uh, gets stirred up and gets mixed thoroughly, and then it gets pumped over to the to the louder.
3: Hmm.
2: Okay. So the so how long does it take to do these transfers typically?
1: Uh, you know, twenty minutes. Okay. And you have what size system? 37 barrel 37 barrel okay and there's a reason behind it um but you know homebrew wise unless you're trying to do back-to-back uh batches uh really you know you you're just fine with uh you know a two-vessel system a combined mash louder yeah. um yeah you can kind of design a louder to be a little bit more efficient if it doesn't have to uh you know have everything else on it but Really, um, you know, combined mash ladder's fine, combined kettle whirlpools fine.
2: Okay, interesting. Hmm. All right, well, um, so go, going into the ma- the detail of mash itself, like, you know, um, you know, my leanings and lots of homebrewers love to adjust their water, adding salts and adding acids. Mm-hmm. Um, how much do you do that on on a professional scale?
1: So what we do is. Um we carbon filter the water. We, based on, you know, water changes and the pH of the mash, we will add acid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, I think if you if you add some acid, you knock you knock down some of the hardness, and you know you're you're fine to go. And then we'll add back um, uh, some gypsum for the hoppy beers and chalk for the the dark beers okay and um you know we'll check ph uh multiple times and you know sometimes depending on the water and and the and the mash we'll need a little bit more acid um and that's about it
2: Hmm. okay so you're in you well i mean i know you brew lots of different styles there so Mm -hmm. um roughly how many styles do you do on a weekly
1: basis Weekly, we probably brew three or four different beers. Okay. Um, And, you know, every week we brew either the the twin or the cousin, and then either the uh, shallow grave or the chocolate hazelnut porter. And then maybe we'll squeeze in a special or something like that or or something else we're doing. Mm -hmm. Um. We've done, we must have done like 30 or 40 different beers by now. I don't know. We've done a lot. Yeah. Uh, we keep doing, you know, different ones every month or at least, um, you know, we just did a 20% ABV beer um, wow. with uh, Orange Blossom oh, with Honey, the- Blood Oranges, yeah, yeah with uh, Michael Fairbrother from All right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and... Um, Now we're doing a, one of my guys, I asked, I challenged my guys, I'm like, you know, what would, what would we do for 20% beers, you know, for like big beer, you know, who's got ideas. And two of my guys came up with really good ideas. I'm like, all right, we'll do them. And so and we're (laughs) doing a, it's kind of like a Russian Imperial Stout with uh, coffee and vanilla and uh, chocolate aged in bourbon barrels. Okay. And again, like big ABV. Yeah. yeah. we get some more, um, you know, so we're, you know, we're, we're doing that this week. And then we just, lots of different beers. Mm-hmm. We're big. In, again, it's odd because now we're, we're big enough sales wise and our tap room's busy enough that we can actually do 37 barrels of uh, one-off and it's not a big deal. It's like, eh, huh? yeah, we'll, we'll sell that.
2: Oh, Cool. Cool. Say going back to the mash, um, mm-hmm. uh, what length of time do you use for your mash, and how do you do you ever do you do ever do a, like a short mash or a longer mash depending on the recipe?
1: Um, not really. I mean, uh, by the time it's all grained in and thoroughly mixed with the water, and then pumping it over, and then we vorl off for. You know, until it's nice and clear. By the time you do all that, it's been like sixty minutes, ninety minutes. So you're done, okay. and it's time to time to run off.
3: So, so it's
2: really more of a kind of a in process mash. time, yeah, right. And not really uh, okay. We're we're transferred, and now let's start the clock for an hour kind of thing. It's because yeah. it, you're really
1: waiting on for
2: uh, transfer. Mm-hmm.
1: Interesting. Right, you're just waiting for the next vessel to be empty.
2: Okay. Yep. Hmm. And do you do um do you do multi rest or do you do mash outs? Uh we
1: haven't done multi rest. I think um what were we talking about using a multi rest for? Um, we're talking about using it for some beer, but oh maybe we did for the uh for the 20%er. I have to, I've looked back at the notes, but okay. uh, no, we uh, generally don't. I'm, I'm a big fan of single infusion. I think that works and, you know, it's very simple, but the cost to have the jackets removed were as much as the cost of having the jackets added to the brew plan. So <laughs> we're just like, yeah, fine. Leave the jackets on. So
2: uh, know. now explain that a little bit. I mean, do the, these are what, steam jackets? Or? Right,
1: steam jackets on, on all our vessels. So, except for the, well, steam jacket on the mash and on the kettle and the calandria. Okay. So, everything's heated with steam um, from a boiler, low pressure steam up to 15 PSI. And, um, yeah. We, and,
2: that, and that allows you to do multi rest or not?
1: Yeah, we could. We okay. could dough in at whatever we want and then turn on the jackets and the mixer and ramp it up to whatever we want you know easy enough Mm -hmm. but we don't use that currently we might someday someday i think we will that's right we'll be like yeah yeah we're going to use this thing
2: (laughs) sounds good Mm -hmm. okay um and then uh mash
1: out you generally don't do either right Uh, no, um, you know, we'll transfer over to the louder and we'll, uh, sparge with, uh, you know, hotter water. Okay. But we don't bother, um, you know, doing a mash out step necessarily. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's one of the beauties of, you know, having a, um, you know, single step infusion and, you know, having a mash temperature that you're comfortable with. As you transfer it through these vessels, the mash temperature, the mash is so big, yeah. That it just retains its temperature, and you can transfer it through, and it's at the same temperature the whole time. You know, nice. it's really not like, oh my god, you know, temperature's dropping or going up or whatever. It's just you're you're just sitting at your mash temperature, so you don't have to really worry about anything. And then you know, you transfer out to the kettle, and um, then you you know, you fire up the kettle, and you've pretty much denatured your enzymes. You're done.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I've been talking to a few people the last few weeks where they're trying to brew with uh, you know smaller volumes, say so, you know you know one gallon, three gallons, and so on. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, temperature control seems to have been an issue for them. Oh yeah, um, you know so I can I can see that you know those small volumes, uh, you know it's going to heat or lose heat more quickly.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Whereas you know that just doesn't really happen for you. Right. Yeah,
1: you know, you, you got to have the mass. Got to have the mass. All right. Um,
2: I wish we take a, another quick break?
1: Yeah, I was just going to say, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, more of home versus commercial right after this.
0: Beer tasting games that train your palate, a brewery locator, and the brand new interactive beer style guide. These are just a few of the awesome things you'll find on craftbeer.com. The style guide is a beautiful example of technology in beer. Browse beer style families or turn on the automatic beer style finder and explore beer through color, bitterness, ABV, aroma, and flavor. It's really the coolest way to explore every beer style besides having them all in front of you. Go to craftbeer.com and click on Beer Styles to start the guide. Plus enjoy the rest of craftbeer.com, the brewers banter blogs, beer education, how to host a beer tasting, and the invaluable draft quality manual. Tons of great content that makes your beer better. Visit the new craftbeer.com right now and explore the website that brings you all the passion, camaraderie, and creativity of the craft beer community. Craftbeer.com, celebrating the best of American beer. A few things happened 30 years ago. ARPANET migrated to TCPIP and the Internet was born. Revenge of the Jedi was renamed Return of the Jedi and opened in theaters. Mila Kunis and Emily Blunt were born, beginning a rash fantasy in my mind but all of that pales next to the fact that hop tech opened its doors and began blowing homebrewers right out of their mash tuns hop tech doesn't fuck around real people shipping awesome shit straight to you their new website is fast and easy to navigate or just call 800-379-4677 and let badass bitch jade and the gadget guy roberto blow their warm load of customer service all over you So visit the site or visit the store in Dublin, California and support those that support you. Get your brewing on at hoptech.com. for strike and sparge water ditch the fumes and second burner and make mashing easy go to williamsbrewing.com today and browse their vast selection that's williamsbrewing.com orders placed by 4pm pacific time weekdays ship the same day brewing is easy the williams way Ken Grossman of Sierra Nevada Brewing Company says making great beer is hard. Making the same great beer every day is harder. Brewers Publications announces its latest release for breweries of any type and size. Quality Management, an essential guide for brewers by Mary Pelletieri. Proper quality management for small, regional, and national breweries is critical. Whether you are an established business or brand new, learn the best ways to create and manage a quality system in your brewery. This book will guide you in developing a comprehensive program that will grow with your brewery, help ensure quality processes in the brewery, and continue providing great beer for your fans. Quality management for breweries is critical for continued success. This guidebook teaches you to integrate quality management in every level of the operation. It will guide you in developing a comprehensive program to ensure quality processes in your brewery. Quality Management, an essential guide for brewers, now available from Brewers Publications. Learn more at BrewersPublications.com. That's it. I... back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong.
1: All right,
3: we're back. Yes.
1: Uh, John, have you uh, you're you're a fan of Blickman products. Would that be correct? Very it? much so, yes. Well, you know where to get Blickman products? Your local home brew shop. Absolutely. If your local homebrew shop doesn't have it, I'll tell you where you go. Great Fermentations. Did you know that they have the largest catalog of Blickman products on the web? I I wouldn't be surprised to hear that, no. Uh, Right. So if you're looking for the some of the products we talk about, some of the products that John enjoys, I enjoy, that we've tried out, all the new gadgets that uh uh Monsieur uh, Blickman has, uh Great Fermentations will have it. So check that out on the web. They provide same day shipping on uh, a lot of the main uh, items that you would want, you know, you're looking for, uh, you know, the kettles and things like this. You know, the the common things. They've got mm-hmm, them. Yeah. a lot of people. It's going to take like three weeks because they got to get it from Blickman and then, you know, and then it's shipped to them and, you know, yada, yada, yada. No, these guys stock it. They've got it ready to rock and roll. If you're like jonesing right now for, uh, you know, some Blickman gear, go over to Great Fermentations, check it out. Yeah. they can get it to you same day shipping. Our staff uh, at, at Great Fermentations some of the best trained and used in the Blickman products. So if you got a question, it's like hey, I got this beer gun, what's the best way to uh, you know, to use it? How do I get, you know, least oxygen, least foaming? What, do, you know, what do I do? They can walk you through it. And you know, they've got top-notch customer service. Good folks there at uh, Great Fermentation. So check them out. Great Fermentations for all your Blickman needs. And, you know, like we said, support your local homebrew shop. But, uh, you know, there's times when uh, your local homebrew shop does not have what you have. uh, Have what you want. And, uh, (laughs) you know, you ask them, they're like, eh, I don't know. And you go, all right, Great Fermentations. If your spouse
2: said yes to a new brew pot, don't wait. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Order
1: it quickly. There you go. Yeah, you don't want to give them a chance to, like, uh, say, hey, no, you ain't getting it. Baby, I love you, but you ain't getting a new brew pot.
3: <laughs>
1: so there you go. All right. Uh, back to uh, home versus commercial.
2: Okay. One th- one thing that uh, you'll often see in uh, yeah. professional breweries such as yourself is uh, swan necks coming off the tun. Um, I don't know if your brewery is of a size to need more than a couple of those, but uh, do, you, do you have a Lauder Grant and a Swan Necks, Jamil? No, we
1: don't. Um, uh, generally, you need a, a Swan Neck and a Grant when <clears throat> your uh, your louder is not keeping up with uh, whatever pump you have that's pumping over to your kettle. If you're using gravity, which I suggest for a lot of homebrew use, you know gravity is great to you know just run off into your kettle as slow as it's running, as fast as it's running, which might change based recipe to recipe. And and homebrew homebrewers are constantly changing their recipes, so they may have something where it's running slower or running faster, and they don't know it's the first time they've brewed it. So having gravity to aid you in your runoff to kettle, that's ideal. The reason commercial brewers don't do it, is because we can't put, you know, these giant vessels way up in the air. I mean, we could, but it's just not, you know, not generally feasible. We're uh, safe. we yeah. safe, yeah. So, um, I mean, we've already got catwalks and stuff to get up to the vessels. You know, if you start putting them on multiple levels, the expense of the catwalks gets kind of crazy. Um, so, you know, if you can avoid a pump, I think that's ideal commercial we have to use a pump so a lot of uh a lot of times the pump is outsized for how quick the louder can keep up um in our case our louder actually uh runs at a good clip and uh the pump never outruns it we can also set the speed of uh our runoff from the louder uh you know we can valve that and control it so it's really not needed i think you know You see the Swan Neck and the Grant in really old designs. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that was because they didn't have things like VFDs and, you know, valves were expensive, crazy things, you know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Nowadays, that stuff's cheap and easy. So I think that's one of the reasons.
2: Okay. Uh, What's the diameter of your lotter ton?
1: Oh, Jesus. Roughly. Um,. I knew exactly. I have a spreadsheet to calculate every mash we do, and the dam- the louder, and the thickness of the of the bed. Ah, um, uh, it's 80, 88, I think eighty eight inches. Yeah,
2: which is what six uh, six and a half, seven feet, something like that.
3: Uh-huh.
1: Sounds about right. Yeah,
2: some, seven feet. Anyway, um, so you and under that you have probably you probably have multiple pickup points underneath your false bottom. Uh,
3: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Well,
2: and yeah. that I mean, uh, you know, in a, in a very large system, you would have you know. Uh, Probably a dozen,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, some of the real large, the like hundred barrel systems, right? Um, and uh, whereas you know, the home system, you really just have one, you know, pickup underneath your false bottom because mm-hmm. it can pull, you know, readily from the from the whole area, mm-hmm. even if you have like a right, even like a twenty gallon or a one barrel system. Mm-hmm. So, you, do you ever? I mean, is I used to mention variable flow devices, I assume. I think that's what that VFT stands for.
1: Uh yeah. Uh, well, for variable frequency frequency drive to change oh. the speed of the 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 motors that you're running that are running the pumps.
2: Ah, okay. D do, does um so do you do you regulate, is there some software or valves that regulate the uniformity of the flow underneath the uh ton, underneath the false bottom of the water ton?
1: uh no, no, it's okay. all just coming out and through one point okay, so it's a it's it's still kind
2: of a small enough scale mm-hmm. even in you know for a thirty five barrel system right uh, to accommodate that mm-hmm. interesting okay um you're um when when you sparge um the 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 i assume the water gets distributed somehow over the green bed
1: um yeah
2: like a spray arm kind of thing. Yeah,
1: uh, there's a, a few points that, mm-hmm. that spray it. Um, I don't know how important that is. Yeah, uh, you know, if you get a an inch of water on top, I think um, you could come in from almost anywhere, and I think you're fine.
2: Okay. You normally maintain water over the green bed.
1: Uh, yeah, we try to.
2: Okay, I, are there are there. Um, brewing situations where you wouldn't, where you draw it down and... and
1: uh... Well, towards the end of your louder, um, it's important to kind of time out um, your kettle volumes with drawing down the, mo- the water in the louder. Okay. Because you don't want a ton of water left over in the grain bed because we have to dispose of that grain and it's not as simple as, like, throwing it in a trash can. Uh-huh. It's you know 2500 pounds of grain that has to get augered out or shoveled out into uh bins it has to go to a farmer and if it's really wet and sloppy um it's difficult for them to drive it on the truck you know without it sloshing over the side if it's dry it'll and all stay in the bin to to yeah. Yeah. yeah and a lot more weight
2: okay interesting okay um okay well uh, how often do you need to use laudering rakes when you're, uh, sparging or laudering? What, what, what is the purpose of those? Just to keep the the bed, uh, permeable or?
1: Uh, well, generally we'll use it to kind of even out the, the, our mash gets pumped in from at one point in the louder. Okay. So you can kind of run the rakes and kind of even Let's it out that. all the way across the, the whole thing. Um. You know we've used the rakes if you've you've got a, a stuck mash or something like that you can you can cut the bed with the rakes uh, you can cut it all the way down to near the bottom We actually once early on we actually got a, a stuck mash where we had pulled the the grain into the into the false bottom huh. and so we were able to drop the rakes, reverse them and essentially just suck it all back out of the uh <laughs> <laughs> the bottom it was great and then everything was fine again.
2: Ah, cool. Okay. So yeah, a little different, different scale of problems, and then then on the home brewing level again.
1: Right, right. Yeah, you have to rely on machinery to do a lot of the things for you because the scale's so big, you can't physically do it yourself. And that's also part of the danger of commercial brewing is you know you've got these high energy sources moving around and you know take your arm off.
2: Oh yeah, about about um okay let's move on to the boil
1: Mm
2: -hmm. um how long does it take to fill the kettle uh from the from the
1: louder um i'd have to look at the logs what they're doing now but i think it's um boy the louder still takes a long time close to two hours oh okay and if it fit. Does it
2: uh, hour and a half? Wow! So two hour two hours to kind of lauter and fill the caddilats. Mm-hmm. Do you do any first wart hopping? No. Okay. And wh- and what what's your opinion on that? I mean, just um, you know, doesn't seem worth the the effort, or uh, it's just easier to. I think all, I with? think
1: all it does is is make your beer more bitter Uh uh-huh um you know it's just like a longer boil i don't think it actually entrains or entraps any sort of uh finer hop flavor or anything like that
3: right
2: okay so yeah just messes with your bittering calculations then yeah
1: i i just don't think there's any any use to it
2: okay do you add
1: salts in the kettle uh no Okay, so you've done that all at the ma-
2: beforehand in, yes. in the water itself or in the mash.
1: Right. I think the mash is the most important part for that.
2: Okay, yeah. Um, now, you have an internal colander. I
1: wouldn't add to the coil, to the boil if I needed to. Right, okay. Yeah. So you still have the option? Oh, sure.
3: Yeah.
2: You have an internal colander in your kettle? Uh-huh. Okay. And that, so that... It's not you're not necessarily uh, doing a conventional boil like we do, you know, on the homebrew sale with a a burner underneath the pot. You're you've got uh you've got a calandria that's uh heating the you know, it's sitting in the middle of the boil. Right. There's, and there's heating jackets
1: as well. Okay. Um what the calandria is is just um imagine extra jackets in a few concentric circles uh, sitting in the middle of the kettle. So there's jackets on the outside. Well, I'll take those jackets and put them in the middle in a concentrated spot, uh, several rings of them, and it's it's essentially dimple plate, uh, two dimple plates kind of welded together and then put in rings, and the steam goes up into those dimple plate and exits those things. Oh, so okay. you're, you're getting uh, more surface area of heat. Uh, okay. Again, the heat never exceeds two hundred and fifty uh, uh, degrees Fahrenheit because it's fifteen psi steam maximum. Okay. So it's it's less uh, harsh than a um, flame, a, a flame, a directed flame, uh, but it's still a concentration of heat. But what's mm. nice about the calandria is it boils the liquid right there in that area. Mm-hmm. It's in the middle. It just starts boiling uh, pretty quick. So maybe all the rest of the liquid isn't boiling quite yet, but that'll get it going. And um, once that's going, it, it circulates the liquid very well. So Yeah, we, a lot I, of
2: convection that way.
1: Yeah, it, it'll come, uh, you know, shooting up the middle of the calandria. It hits like a, a hat, mm-hmm. uh, kind of like a... Um, of a saucer shaped yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, that knocks it back down into the, the rest of the boil kind of hits towards the outsides of the kettle and so you get this kind of uh, circulation pattern going uh, from the center out to the sides and so it okay. very thoroughly mixes your wort and um, uh, you know makes sure that any volatile compounds are being driven off uh, your hop utilization all that stuff that's what's really important um, if you can achieve that at a s- lower input of heat, your beer will taste better. So, oh, yeah. Uh, for homebrewers, a lot of times I've seen people where they so violently boil their wort that they're actually damaging the wort and damaging their beer. And with less thermal stress, they could make a better beer. Um, you still need to get enough... Um, turnover through the the volume of liquid so that it's mixing it very thoroughly and exposing um, all the wort to that point of uh, vaporization of some of these volatile compounds at the surface so they can blow off. And so that's the, the important part. I think you could actually probably use a lower heat, you know, where you almost weren't boiling and stir it really well and you might actually do better. In some okay. cases, so yeah, uh, that's just a theory. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Do they have um,
3: like home brewing calandrias? Yeah.
1: Um, I've never seen one. If you had the ability to generate steam, I would think you could, mm-hmm. or you could make maybe an electric one or something. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, potentially electric one would work. <laughs> have to turn our good friend John <laughs> Blickman onto that.
1: Yeah, get Blickman, Blickman uh, rocking and rolling in that and. Uh, <laughs> Maybe he would show it at the uh, AHA uh, National Homebrew National Homebrew Conference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tell you, the AHA—that's a fine organization, right there. I am so, uh, so, so pleased with them. I'll tell you, you can give the gift of the American Homebrewers Association this year. You sign up through the Brewing Network. You click on the uh, right side of the website. You're going to receive a free. They've got a link there. You're going to receive a free copy of Modern Homebrew Recipes from Gordon Strong when you enter coupon code MODERN at checkout. M-O-D-E-R-N at checkout. Some of our our listeners can't spell. Don't look at me that way, Steve. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, what I love about the AHA is, uh, you know, pub discount program. Come down to Heretic. We give you a discount. Come to Hop Grenade. They give you a discount if you're an AHA member. It's G Magazine. Fantastic, You you know, you and I have written for Zymergy. Oh, yeah. Uh, access to the uh, AHA forum and uh, the Homebrewers Conference. You know, y- you really can't go to the Homebrewers Conference without being an AHA member. Right. Uh, and when you do, you're going to see things like uh, John Blickman with our new um, uh, Blickman Calandria maker. There you go. Calandria <laughs> Calandry blick, blick. Started here. calandry Yeah?
3: Calan- <laughs>
1: Calandry-man. from Blickman. The calamity from Blickman.
3: <laughs> yes. Cal-
1: yeah. No, I'm not talking about when you guys are driving. I'm just talking <laughs> about uh, uh, all his genius uh, inventions. All right. Let's take another short break. When we come back, we will wrap up uh, with more Home versus
0: new brew easy since the first time the brewing network microphones turned on more beer was behind it more beer sponsors the programming on the BN because like you they love brewing and like the brewing network they love sharing their knowledge morebeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order morebeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer Go to morebeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, More Beer's social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of The Buzz, the forum, the Learning Center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer. Bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for every beer style. I want a Cicerone. to Brew has never been so disgusting. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. We're
1: enjoying uh, a lively conversation about sticking things in uh, and traffic uh, all during the break.
2: Indeed. I wish I had heard some of that.
1: Well, um, I mean, if you need more, John... You know where you you can get more? Um, AdamandEve.com. There we go. When you need more, that's where you're going to get it. I tell you, you go now with the offer code Jamel J-A-M-I-L, to AdamandEve.com. You're going to get 10 things more. You're going to get first a special gift for her, a special gift for him, and a special gift for both of you. I don't know if you could put in the comments saying, look, we need two gifts for him and two gifts for the both of us, or we need two gifts for her and two gifts for, you know, a gift for the both of us. I would think that that would be fine if you ask me, but you know, Hey, I don't run the site, but but you, you could check, check that out. Right. So you use the off code Jamel. You're going to get two gifts for him or a gift, a gift for him, gift for her, (laughs) gift for both of you. You're going to get, uh, six gifts free adult dvds i tell you this is the only place you can find porno steve in his classic the thing that really made his name texas crack wrangler (laughs) that is available only at adamandeve.com it's an exclusive right steve Yeah. yeah yeah there you go uh texas crack wrangler and other good titles uh in your six free adult dvds and then free shipping that's your 10th item right there, free shipping. You know what shipping costs nowadays? Jesus Christ, if people didn't, uh, like, uh, you know, uh, help with the cost of shipping, it would be like, uh, you know, paying all over again. 20 bucks, yeah. Yeah, there you go. So, you know, check it out, adamandeve.com. You get your uh, your your three free gifts. You get the six free DVDs, including the uh, Porno Steve and Texas Crack Wrangler. And free shipping. Just use the offer code Jamel J-A-M-I-L, at amineve.com today. All right. All
2: right. I thought you were going to say Young Frankenstein. But... <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Um. Let's see. Where are we? Well, we walked through the boil, I guess. Uh, well, Whirlpool.
3: Hmm.
2: Um. Now, oh, you know, the Whirlpool, you've got... You have the. Why do you have a whirlpool? Is it because you have a, a plate type heat exchanger that you've got to pass the word through?
1: Yes. Essentially, that's you know that is the only reason for a whirlpool.
2: Okay, and what what does the whirlpool do for you specifically?
1: So whirlpool is just a kettle of a good height to width ratio. You want it wide and shallow. You don't want it. Um, tall oh. and deep, wide and shallow. That's why most kettles with Whirlpool are bad designs.
3: Uh-huh.
1: Uh, so wide and shallow. And the Whirlpool is just a dumb tank. It's uh, wide and shallow. It's got a drain on one side, and it's got an input on one side. And what we do is just pump out of the kettle into the Whirlpool, and uh, it shoots out at high speed along one of the walls, And starts to spin. So there's no pump in the whirlpool. It's just pumped over from the kettle. And the residual speed, you know, it sets it up spinning. We wait, let it all settle out, and then we just start draining off through uh, the drain, through the heat exchanger, and off to the fermenter.
2: Okay. And so you have a... And the reason you have a... You know, a heat exchanger, a high-efficiency, you know, quick-chilling kind of heat exchanger mm-hmm. is, again, time is money, and you've got to keep the batches moving, correct?
1: Yes and no. Um, yeah, it's uh, important to us, uh, you know, to keep keep the, the flow going through the, the brew plant so we can get the next batch through. But, uh, you know, our heat exchanger, that'll knock it out in, you know, a barrel a minute. Um, it'd probably do two barrels a minute if we, if we want it. Um, and that probably saves, one, saves
2: energy on, you know, cooling your, in your fermenter.
1: No, uh, well, so for, yeah, it does in that, um, uh, cause we need to pitch the yeast, but, um, uh, the, uh, one of the things that, you know, we experienced early on before we got our, our latest brew plant was. It took like two hours to knock out, and when you're throwing like hops into the whirlpool, and you want those no boil hop characters, right. um, but not dry hop character, if it takes two hours, you just get a huge amount more bitterness. Oh, yeah. um, if you can knock out really quickly, you know, a barrel a minute, a couple of barrels a minute, uh, you throw your hops into your whirlpool, you trap a lot more of that in there. So that's actually pretty important.
3: Okay.
1: I think homebrewers can do this by throwing their hops in, even with immersion chiller, and just stirring the, the wort with the immersion chiller. That's what I did before I whirlpooled my immersion chiller. Okay. And you'll see the, the temperature drop very quickly and get below the volatilization of a lot of these hop compounds that they want to trap, and that mm-hmm. makes a big difference. Um, the other problem is the wort chiller gets really hot. Oh. So. You expect oh, yeah. one side of it anyways to get really hot and burn your hand because it'll be boiling, <laughs> so you use, you use like a a glove or something
2: yeah okay so uh let's see so i mean the um I'm looking I'm thinking about the uh the chill no chill kind yeah. of uh paradigm going right. through the you that's why no on-
1: chill. Has its problems because your bittering is still, you know, accelerating and still yeah. developing, still
2: happening above one hundred and eighty degrees, right? Fahrenheit. Okay, well let's uh, let's move on to uh, fermentation. I guess. Oh, how much time we have, Jamil? Just a few minutes? We're out. We're out. Okay.
1: So well, we may have continue to away. press some of the time. Yeah. No, continue away.
2: Oh,
1: okay. Well, with that, well, at least let's let's. Get it quickly. Okay, so
2: um, oxygenation, you do that uh, in line as you're pumping yes. uh, from normal? Uh-huh. Because, I mean, that's really kind of the only easy way to do it. You can't shake your fermenters. Right. You, you can't uh, – it's hard to get a propeller in there to froth them. Uh-huh. So, on um, oxygenation, you use air or, or pure oxygen? Oxygen. Okay. And um, – there's a there's a question in the Q and A that'll be interesting to address, kind of, you know, looking at, um, you know, how much, how do you, do you have um, an equation, or is it just kind of experience on how much oxygen for how long you inject?
3: So
1: um, yeah, so initially, I I believe you can you can use simple math to help you with this. You know, how many liters of wort you have, how many liters. And what you need to do is measure your oxygen in liters per minute. You know, actual liters injected into the into the vessel. Okay. And you do that with like a medical regulator that, that measures liters regardless of back pressure. So that's how you know. It's like, okay, I've got 20, you know, liters of beer or wort. I'm adding, you know, one liter of oxygen or whatever it might be. And that way, um, you, you can actually measure things without knowing the amount of oxygen. You can see how that works out for you. Now, I just took our, my homebrew rate and I said, all right, I multiplied it out. Here's, here's the rate we're going to use. I used the same rate um, commercially for several years. And now what we do is we have an oxygen meter that we actually measure our word oxygen with.
2: Okay, so you measure your concentration then?
1: Yeah, but we went years with just doing the math.
2: Mm -hmm. Okay, I mean, um, is there an easy equation we could uh, tell people on how to convert, you know, liters of oxygen into liters of wort that would give them a concentration?
1: I always used uh, one liter of oxygen for every 20 liters of wort.
2: Oh okay, okay, um regardless of uh ba- of gravity or kind yep. of yeah, okay, because you were pitching uh the number a number of yeasts mm-hmm. in proportional to the gravity mm-hmm. and then giving them uh, one liter of oxygen to grow from right
1: I mean, you can always go more or less, but I mean that's a a good rule of thumb.
2: Okay. Very good. All right. Um, let's see. Well, let's see. Um, how how uh, tall are your fermenters, Jamil?
1: Our tallest fermenters are about 21 feet. Okay.
2: And do you notice um, that, you know, do you know, are those tall enough that you notice some degree of, uh, you know, uh, f- Ferment character fermentation character change in the beer
1: um, um you between know the
2: different sizes
1: the fermentation character change between you know shorter fermenters and taller fermenters is real um but in something that is you know hoppy and you know bold and all that it's really not that noticeable
2: okay. And this is um, like esters and Mm -hmm. other other fact flavors as well. Right, right. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Um, Okay. Let's see. Uh, And are you still doing um, a – you're still buying your yeast uh, and pitching that, or are you doing – do you have a yeast uh, production program at Heretic?
1: Um, we we have a propagator, but a five barrel propagator. But uh, we still buy our yeast from uh, White Labs mainly. Okay, and just
2: buy uh, it too. Right, <clears> the <throat> quantity you need.
1: Fifteen hundred dollars, baby. Ouch! No, we actually buy a double double batch. They they think I'm crazy. They're like, Oh, well, why do you buy? You know, a sixty barrel <laughs> pitch for a thirty barrel beer. I'm like because. The amount of yeast isn't enough for us to, you know, get the same fermentation character. The fermentation character changes. Attenuation mm-hmm. changes. Yeah. And so I do what I'm telling most homebrewers to do, buy two tubes. You know, don't buy one, buy two. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so I do a 60-barrel pitch and a 30-barrel batch Okay. of lower gravity. And, to, and is that, sure I mean, that's, right.
2: that's for eels. What kind of pitching rate does that generally work out to? Like a, a 1 million per mil, um, per mil or, or?
1: Yeah, using it? using uh, 0.75, mm-hmm. right? Which is yeah. a good AL rate, 0.75, which is l- less than the one, 1 million. Um, The pitch that they send is good to like a 1028 wort or something like that. Or like a 7 Plato wort. Okay it's it's um you know seven times point seven five that's it's not it's not a lot it's healthy yeast sure it's you know you get it nice and fresh but um if you want to do uh you know an eight percent beer um you know you you really need a lot more yeast than that mm-hmm. so that's why i I pay for double that
3: yeah,
2: you're essentially using the pitching rates that are on Mr malty.
1: I, even then I'm not, not quite hitting those, but Uh you know, I'm, I'm hitting enough to where the beer is turning out the same. If I don't do that, the beer turns out different. Now, if you're doing if you're running a brew pub and you're serving everything to your customers there across the bar and, you know, from week to week or month to month, the beer can change and nobody's, you know, but if you're like packaging and doing big distribution, you can't have your beer changing all over the place. Each, each batch. So, you know, you have to, you know, step up, you know, and pay for enough yeast to where fermentation attenuates the same and the flavor okay. is the same.
2: Very consistent, yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, How do you carbonate uh, your beer?
1: Uh, Carbstone, and then we, we just blow it in through the bottom. Okay, so it goes in,
2: and that's in the original fermenter you Uh dump the yeast and then uh yeah we do everything in the one
1: yeah oh okay we we use a unit tank like a unit tank (laughs) that's what they're for right Uh, very few people do
2: interesting everyone's like
1: what you don't have bright tanks no
2: Hmm. so a bright tank in essence is kind of like a a secondary fermenter you'd rack it over to another
1: right it's a unit tank with a a dish bottom instead of a cone bottom, uh-huh. same thing.
2: And then you would carbonate in the bright tank.
1: And um, if, yeah, if people use one. People do. Yeah, they'll transfer from the unit tank to the bright tank and carbonate along the way. Okay. Um, you can pump around on a tank too. Use the same tank and just oh, okay. Pump in a loop and carbonate that way. It's quicker, but um, there is a danger of introducing more oxygen. Okay. Uh, for home brewers I I would just, you know, hook up the uh you know, corny keg to CO two and wait a week.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's my preferred method too. Okay. Do you use any uh clarifiers?
1: Uh we in the in the kettle we use uh whirlflock and um in the fermenter we use a uh a version of Biofine.
3: Okay.
2: And then, then, um, does that, uh, that settles out with, uh, the yeast mass or how do you get, <laughs> how do you get that out?
1: Right. Yeah. Um, it, it all settles out. Okay. Gets so dropped. it's just, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's not one of the ones you need to filter out.
2: Oh Okay. Okay. So, well, some, sim very similar, but a uh, few differences along the way.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, you know, and I, I think that, you know, there's things to learn from professional brewing, but, you know, I think, you know, homers need to always ask, well, why am I doing this? You know, what's that doing to make my beer better versus, yeah. you know, the, the commercial brewer who has to do it because they don't really have a choice or they're trying to save money or they're, you know, yeah, that's uh, good doing point. something along those lines. I think, I think that that's, that's the thing to watch out for. All right. Uh, I think it was an excellent uh, show topic idea, John. I, you know, kudos to you. You're thank you're, you. You're thinking about the <laughs> listeners and and what might be interesting to them. Uh, you know, I think what's what's interesting to our listeners is that the new gear that Blickman's going to come out with this year. Come oh, on, yeah. He's always coming out with new things, and I, see, I don't know that he's coming out with anything, but I'm guessing he's going to come out with something. That's a smart dude. He's always thinking, always improving, just like innovating. Porno Steve, innovating. Porno Steve, innovating his way through porno. Uh, Inventing new things every day. That's right. All right, if you're listening live, stay tuned, and uh, we will be coming up with a live Q&A session here. All your questions answered like that. Right, John? Right. Uh, If you enjoy this show, make sure to check out our fine sponsors. Check out BlickmanEngineering.com. Blickman with a B... And uh, if you enjoy the show, tell them how much you enjoy it. You can send it to feedback at com, And uh, tell them how wonderful they are for uh, paying for the show for so many years in order for you to have free goodies from John and I. Right, check out uh, Great Fermentations, AHA, uh, AHA. check out Amony. All sorts of good stuff. And if you like this stuff, you could also go to the, the Brewing Network store. Brewingnetwork.com slash store. You can get yourself some shirts. You can get yourself some hoodies. You can get yourself some glassware, some pop grenade. No no glassware. Growlers? Yes. Stainless steel growlers? Yes. No books? No. Um, I'm going to start selling books off of my like site. the t-shirts. Yes. And next time we see you, we want to see you in one of them t-shirts. All right? Until then, brew strong, everybody. Brew strong.